Hey everyone, and welcome to Tabletop Trouble, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. We are five nerds who got together once a week to play role-playing games. We took notice of all those other big actual play shows and thought, hey, we can do that, even though we lack the charisma and talent of those other shows. Ouch. <laughs> so we thought long and hard and decided, hey, we could still probably try and do that. And thus, Tabletop Trouble was born. Before we get started, let's go around the table and introduce ourselves. I am your Dungeon Master of Ceremonies, Mike. I'm Jace. I'm playing Isaac, a Celestial Warlock human. I'm Allison. I'm playing a Air Genasi Sorcerer Bard named Wiz. I'm Nico. I'm playing uh, Kako Ikeo, world-famous monster-hunting high elf. I'm Kate. I'm playing Sukala, the Swamp Witch. And without any further ado, let's jump into the game. It's the 183rd year of Highbrand rule in the Kingdom of Alora, and the country finds itself in a state of great turmoil. It's been 12 long years since the calamity known as the Great Tear, in which the planes of reality were torn asunder by an ancient being and its army of cultist worshippers. Though the would-be apocalypse was halted by an unknown band of heroes, the young Lord Lucian Highbrand has imposed a strict martial law over the kingdom and instated an inquisition to contain those with magical abilities. The few who manage to escape the inquisition are branded as malefactors and are hunted for the high bounties placed on their heads as a warning to those who might consider resisting. For your own reasons, all of you have chosen to flee to the neighboring lands of Torelia during these uncertain times, and have joined up with the refugee caravan in the town of Krom, one of the few still making voyages before the winter takes hold. A stiff autumn breeze falls over the quiet town as your caravan gathers under the cover of night on the outskirts of the town. About 30 people have gathered in total in front of a convoy of three wagons, two for carrying people and a third for carrying supplies. The gathered group is talking to one another in hushed whispers when you approach. Wiz, you are the first of our party to approach this gathering under the stars. So as Wiz approaches the caravan, he is a very slender man who stands at pretty medium height. He has long flowing hair um, that spills over his shoulders, kind of like clouds. He wears a long scarf around his head and he has bright yellow eyes. And he also has like natural white tattoos that cover his neck and feet. And his skin is all light blue all over. What's up, everybody? I got some nice tunes. And I kind of like approach the caravan just almost lightly levitating as I like, you know, float over to where everybody is gathering. Yeah, you float kind of in between the crowd that has gathered, playing your instrument as you do. The dulcet tones kind of ringing out through the, the night as this group talks and kind of quiets as you do. Isaac, you are the second to approach this caravan, and as you do, you can hear the music coming from Wiz's sit-turn as he plays for this crowd. A small gathering has gathered around Wiz to listen to their music, kind of huddled together for warmth as it's kind of a chilly night. Isaac, he approaches the campfire nearby, kind of chilly, ready to warm himself up. Everyone there, they notice this medium-height man with shoulder-length, sandy brown hair and a mid-sized beard, both of which only seem to be lightly cared for. 
He also has a uh, set of intricate leather armor that he's wearing with his longsword on his back and a strange runed bracer on his left arm. You sit around this fire as the music plays and the crowd talks amongst themselves. A worried hesitation washes over the crowd as, as you get ready to depart. And Kako, you are the last to arrive at this caravan. Kako Keo isn't really paying attention to anything. He's kind of just... Trying it along, head in his book, almost trips over a couple people. He's a pretty tall, standing, normal-looking dude. High elf, totally bald. Got a nice dapper little beard and mustache combo, though. And yeah, he kind of just parks himself by the nearest warm spot and keeps reading. You take a seat by the fire as you kind of stroll through the gathering, almost bumping into several people as you bury your nose in this book that you're reading. Um, but eventually you, you find your way to the fire and take a seat as you wait for your caravan leader to gather everyone on the wagons. And it's only a couple minutes after you arrive, Kako, that a imposing man with a bald head and a great unkempt beard takes a spot in front of the group with several armed mercenaries around him. He's wearing a set of plain mail that's almost hidden under a ragged brown cloak. This imposing man is simply known as Sarge. Whether or not that's his real name is unknown to you. He kind of clears his throat as he takes a strong stance in front of the party. <clears throat> Each of you has chosen to flee the kingdom, and to do that, this is going to be a hard journey. But if you do as I say, we'll make it to the kingdom of Torelia just fine. I know some of you may be having second thoughts about this journey and he looks around the group and you can see the caravan members kind of look at each other with hesitation and you can see anxiety wash over the face of more than a few of these these members now's your last chance if you choose to leave there won't be another caravan to take you out of the kingdom until after the winter if anyone has any questions for me we have about 10 minutes before we depart gather your things if you're coming with us and take your place in the caravan and he steps to the first of the three caravans and kind of goes over a list of supplies, last minute check with his mercenaries. And the three of you are left waiting under the stars as everyone begins to gather their things to depart on this journey. I'm gonna go around and help some people I see like that are maybe struggling with their stuff, but I'm gonna go help them like pack up and make sure everything's like put away and they're all nice and comfortable. Yeah, make a charisma check for me. Uh, it's a nat 20. <laughs> yeah, and roll a d6 for me. Does so it help that my, my nat 20 was a 27? Oh, the, the d6 is something separate. Oh, okay. It's a 1. So you begin to help some of these people pack up their things and get ready to depart. And the first person you come into contact with is a half-elf woman. And she's kind of struggling to, to lift her bag over her shoulder. You can tell that she's spent... A lot more time with her face buried in books and less time on the road gathering things. And she has packed probably far too much for this journey as her bag is very heavy. She's kind of struggling to, to pull it onto the first caravan. You know, if, if you really like reading books, I'm sure there'll be much more in the next kingdom we're going to. I don't know if it's worth it to bring all this extra baggage. Your life's on the line here. She, she looks at you and kind of gives you like a, a sweet smile as if she understands that she has too much. I appreciate the advice. I'm kind of new to this whole adventuring thing. 
But I just couldn't be without these books. They're very important to me. All right. You know, I respect it. And I'm going to help her, like, pick up her stuff and put it into the Yeah, into she, the cart. she lifts the bag with you, letting out a... As you load it onto this first I'm caravan. making those grunting noises, too, because I have a negative one in strength. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, uh, it's a bit of a struggle to get this onto the caravan. It's very heavy, and there are quite a few tomes in this bag. Can and I as, get a peek at any of the tomes she's carrying? Like, if they're interesting? The bag is kind of tied shut. I suppose if you wanted to make, like, a sleight of hand to try and spill some of the books out? No, that's not Wiz's motif. I'm just kind of chill. Yeah, you lift the bag onto the caravan, and as she gets it situated near where she's going to be sitting, she kind of makes an exasperated wipe of her brow. Whew, I don't know that I could have done that myself. I'm hiding the fact that, like, I'm breathing heavily, and then, like, I turn around, and there's still sweat on my brow, but I'm, like, putting on a show, and I'm like, yeah, well, it's a, it's a pleasure just to be of assistance to the common people. Make and- a deception check for me. <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> 18. Uh, yeah, she wholeheartedly believes that that was no problem for you. Woo, all right. I'll let you get back to your business, ma'am. If you ever need a sweet song, I'll come back and give you anything you'd like. Uh, I kind of give her a wink and then I just float off to help the next person. It was a pleasure to meet you. My name's Delilah. Well, of course. I do know many songs about a Delilah. Oh, I'd love it if you played for me sometime. Yes, I I can't quite remember what it's called, but I I think it was like Salutations Delilah, something like that. Oh, oh, it sounds lovely. Yes. Sounds like it it really would have been a hit probably 10 or 12 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, he kind of smiles and floats off. As Wiz loads this lady's belongings onto the caravan, Sarge has put down his papers and handed them off to one of the mercenaries he's hired. And he walks up to you, Isaac, and he says, Do you have a second? Isaac kind of looks him over quizzically and nods, says, Yeah, what can I do for you? Not here. Let's go talk away from inquisitive ears. Isaac kind of takes a deep breath and stands up and follows him. You follow Sarge kind of off the beaten path away from the gathering of this refugee caravan. As you make your way towards the forest edge, kind of concealed by the darkness of the wood, he lights a small lantern and holds it up. And as he does, you can get a good look at the man for what feels like the first time. And underneath his cloak is a rusted set of armor that's a make that you actually recognize. When you say make, I recognize the smith that made it, or...? You recognize that this is a uniform belonging to the Elorian Royal Military. Okay. However, it it doesn't appear to be a well-maintained set. It looks like it's seen its years and... It lacks the polish of what a, a royal guard would be wearing. Are there any other like insignias or anything on it that indicates who he is or what he did? If there is, it's hidden and obscured under his cloak, and you're not able to make it out. You don't recognize who he is based on his armor. He holds the light up to your face, and your eyes kind of adjust to it as he does. And he's kind of got a scowl across his face, and he says, What are you going to tell me? Tell you what? Don't play coy with me. I know who you are. Isaac, his color starts to drain a little bit from his face, but he's still kind of confused, and he shakes his head at Sarge. What do you mean? He reaches into his cloak and into one of the pockets inside and pulls out a small piece of folded parchment, and he hands it to you, and you know who you are, too. 
Isaac takes the paper from him and unfolds it to read what it is. You look this paper over and this is a wanted poster. As you read it, it reads, Wanted by order of the Elorian Inquisition, Isaac Astora, in connection with the murder of officers of the Elorian military, assumed to be armed with dangerous magics. The Inquisition is offering a reward of a thousand gold pieces for information leading to the capture of this unstable individual. <laughs> Isaac's face goes white, and um, he looks up at Sarge with kind of a, a pitiable stare and shakes his head at him. He says, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not here to cause trouble, but please, I have to get out of this country. Make no mistake, I have no intention of turning you in. Everyone here is here for their own reasons. Some of us are trying to escape the past, others are trying to avoid an inevitable future. As long as we're not going to have any problems, you're good in my book. You have my word that everyone here will receive just as much protection as anyone in my family. It's good to hear it, boy. I would keep this between the two of us. <laughs> Isaac hurriedly nods. That's... Yes, I think that's for the best. There's a lot of people here looking for an easy out of a desperate situation. And I can't think of an easier out than a thousand gold pieces and a favor from the Elorian military. God damn it. The caravan begins to gather around their assigned carriages. There are two for carrying passengers towards the kingdom of Torelia, and a third which is just carrying supplies. Each of these caravans is driven and manned by several armed mercenaries that Sarge has hired in order to protect the caravan on its journey. There are less people here than there were about 10 minutes ago. It appears that some of the people that were originally in this group had second thought and taken off back to the city, fearing what the kingdoms of Torelia may hold. And I need the three of you to roll initiative. Ooh. Starting it off well. Isaac rolled an 11. And Wiz? Wiz rolled an 11. And Kako? I rolled a 6. So Isaac and Wiz, you are assigned to the first caravan. As you guys board this caravan, you can see uh, a couple of familiar faces riding with you. For one, you recognize that Sarge is in this caravan, riding alongside the driver and occasionally taking a seat uh, in the back with the passengers. Wiz, you recognize the half-elf woman that you helped load her things, who you know is named Delilah. And you also see a half-orc in a brown cloak with a scarf kind of pulled up over his face, obscuring his appearance a little bit. And he is kind of sitting in the back corner of the caravan, keeping an eye out the back window um, as caravan departs. I'm going to go over and sit down next to Delilah and try to remember that song I'd heard about so long ago. But I don't quite get all the lyrics right, but there's something there that seems familiar. Yeah, make a history check for me. You could hum a few bars if you really wanted. 16. It's been a while since you heard the song. It's like on the, the tip of your tongue, but you're able to like get the basic tune of this song down. 
And Delilah is kind of delighted to hear a, a song with her name in it. You could tell you, you've it's eased. It's not a very common name, but <laughs> I, um, you know, I'm just there to kind of like see if anybody else is enjoying music and trying to like settle everybody's like, you know, stressful emotions during this time as we take off on our journey. Delilah is enthralled with the music that you're playing. Happy to have made a friend on this journey already. Where Sarge, as you are playing your music, you catch his ire. He looks at you and he says, we're trying to remain inconspicuous. Do you think you could maybe play a little quieter? Well, man, I mean, I'm not trying to bum everybody out. We're just trying to make sure we've got, like, you know, everybody back here is feeling comfortable. But yeah, I could choose a different song. Any requests? I only request that you keep it down. The last thing we need is to draw the ire of bandits or Alorian guards based on the music you're playing. All right, respect. And I kind of just start humming the song instead of the lyrics, but I'm still kind of like scritching some of it down in my journal so that I can like remember and sing it later. I'd say just based on your check, you've managed to piece together in a very rough way, probably like some version of the first verse of this song. Cool. I'm going to write that down. (laughs) I know the first verse of Salutations Delilah. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Yeah. What's up, Delilah? How's it going in a city that you are in right now? (laughs) <laughs> oh shoot fleeing the country seems very we'll, we'll keep it going we'll keep it going we'll keep working on it but i'm just humming at the moment this is gonna bug me because i'm gonna be thinking about what the actual lyrics to the song are for the rest of the day <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. we, we can bust into karaoke oh. hey there delilah what no uh let's just censor all of that so that we don't get copyright striked just a big i still beep. hate that song censor all of it and then throw it in a fire just for good measure Isaac, you also take your place on this caravan with the half-orc Delilah, Sarge, and Wiz. Isaac's got kind of a gentle smile as he's enjoying your Wiz's music playing. Bond, we're bonding right now. <laughs> I just, I feel it. It's like good vibes. Any requests? Just something smooth and chill. Oh, okay. Smooth and chill. Some noodle so jazz. The, the most Good vibrations. High. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it's in the middle of the night, so maybe something call me. Like Dragon Force. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to be playing like a gentler melody now, but yeah. it's like very barely audible through like the night. Just, you know, even like the few people around me can only hear like the slight strumming. And as you play this song, you've relaxed the other members of your caravan to the point where you even can the s- driver's asleep and we crash <laughs> <laughs> the driver falls asleep at the cartwheel and drives right off of a cliff that's it campaign over the end oh. thanks for tuning in Cocker uh, survived yeah <laughs> we'll see you guys next time you're in a different yeah you're in a different cart <laughs> sukala was never introduced so she has no idea like she just goes about her life <clears throat> we'll see you guys next time on the next season of tabletop trouble thanks for listening <laughs> see you next year <laughs> I'm not trying to put the driver to sleep. I just want to play a small tune. I think I'm more in like the back of the caravan anyway. I'm just kind of like strumming for people that are like still awake. You play a, a light tune and your tune kind of drowns out the sounds of the winds like whipping at the cloth of the caravan cover. And everyone seems a, a little more at ease with your music playing. You can see even Sarge has cracked a little bit of a <gasps> grin. Just trying to crack those eggshells. Just all those hardened people from all the tough times. I just want to make good times out of it.
Kako, you board the second caravan. Yes. And as you take your seat, you're joined on this caravan by a family of dwarves. You see a grumpy looking dwarf male with a with a really ragged beard um, and hair that looks like it hasn't been taken care of in probably months. He has a very tired look with sunken eyes and He kind of takes a begrudging seat on the caravan. Following him is a younger dwarven woman who is just like beaming with positive energy. She has a smile across her face. And as she looks around at the caravan members, she's almost immediately taken in by all of them as she sees these potential for new companions. And following behind her is uh, her mother. It's an older dwarven woman. She has the same kind of tired look as the father, but she is still kind of more positive looking than everyone else. She she has a, a very doting look as she, she tends to her daughter. Um, and they sit across from where you sit in the caravan. You're also joined by an old woman who is bundled up in several cloaks. She takes a seat at the very front of this caravan and kind of sits down with the... (sighs) As she settles in, her face hidden kind of behind this bundle of warm cloaks that she's wearing. The final person who joins your caravan is a kind of nervous-looking older man. He's got graying hair and a well-trimmed beard. Uh, He's got a satchel slung over his shoulder, and he takes a seat in the back of the caravan, kind of looking around nervously uh, to the outside world. Mm -hmm. Kako's gonna slap his book shut, because it's fucking nighttime, and he can't read anymore. Were you trying to read until this point? Yeah. They have candles. And you have night vision, dark vision. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have dark vision. You, you can see in the dark. Vision. Oh, yeah. Okay, I don't stop reading. Okay. <laughs> I just, you know, kind of look up for a moment. Just like, hello, the good people. How are you? You see the younger dwarven woman beam with excitement as you uh, acknowledge her. She is very young for a dwarf, probably early 20s. And she says, Hi, what are you reading? It looks exciting. Yes, it is very fascinating textbook on the uh, scalping of ghouls. <gasps> what is that? Oh, it is when you take the very top part of the ghoul off of the ghoul. It makes very, very good elbow cream. Uh, <laughs> she like is beaming with excitement. You can tell that she just likes learning new things. She says, when you're done with it, do you think maybe I could borrow it? I'd really like to learn about that. And as she like is is talking very rapidly, her father like reaches forward and puts her hands on her shoulder and says, Lessa, take a seat. You're bothering this man. And he pulls her back to her seat. Oh, the bothering this is not. Yeah, I'm not bothering him. We're just talking about the scalping of ghouls. And you see the mother's face kind of go white. She's what? <laughs> you you don't need to know that information. I think it is the very important thing that the little ones know how to at the early ages. Yeah, you never know when I, I might need to scalp a ghoul. What if I have rough elbows or, or I need to do something about it? <laughs> What's a ghoul? Oh, it's like a person, but not. Also, it is not for the rough elbows. It is when you only have elbow left. Oh, that's way more useful. Yes. I'm really confused. <laughs> it stops the infectionness, so you do not die from loss of <laughs> not but elbow. I really need to learn this. Um, Would you like book? I have another one. 
You have Can't. another copy of the scalping of ghouls? Yes. Do you always keep spare copies of scalping? Spare of copies of everything. Is I this, also have everything in triplicate. Is this just a chapter in the book, or is this a book dedicated? Like, how thick is this book? Oh, you know, like a hundred and ninety-page volume. You know, <laughs> it's one of the it's one of the series of books on how to use a ghoul. <laughs> it's a peer-reviewed text. Hmm? Who wrote this book? It might have been my teacher. Whatever. So what if I co-wrote this chapter? Fuck off. Uh, <laughs> you can see that, that Lessa's face is like beaming. She's, she holds out her hands as you hand her this book. She says, I am going to be the best ghoul slayer you've ever met. And she like immediately sits down and starts reading her book. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want the one on the ghoul slaying? I have chapter one here too. There's there's more? Yes. And she, you see her like her kind of like hold excitement and she goes, yeah, yes. I'm just going to go ahead and just set my bag down next to me and open it. Okay, hold on. So are you just like a self-proclaimed monster hunter who happens to be a writer who's going around peddling his wares? You're in another carriage. (laughs) How about you you, uh, stay in the proverbial lane that you're in? You did it. You cracked his character. (laughs) And no, uh, I'm not an alleged monster hunter. Okay, I, I do Roy Lockhart. The <laughs> As you show these books to Lessa, and she kind of begins to to flip through them with exuberance, the old woman who's bundled up at the end of the cart looks over at you with kind of a disgust. Excuse me, some of us are trying to sleep, you know. Oh, I have book on that too. Do you want the book of helping sleep? Keep your books to yourself. Just keep it down. Like on the floor? No, you imbecile. Just keep your voices down. Oh, like on the floor? She, like, rubs her brow <laughs> kind of furiously and then lets out a... Oh, I'm surrounded by idiots. Idiots, I should never have come here. Oh, I think she is the cranky one, tiny lady. I know a couple people like that who are, who are pretty cranky. <laughs> well, now you know one more. It's my dad. He's very cranky. And he kind of clears his throat and says... Lessa, keep it down. Be the remembering young one. The parents are first weapon against the ghoul. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I will take it to heart. Okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell her they like to eat older people first. <laughs> I'd also like to poke the nervous man in the corner and see what he's about. How do you approach him? You just poke oh. him? No, I'm just gonna kinda like scoot like he's sitting on the same bench that I am, right? Yeah, he he's about like just a little bit down. He's there's like a couple people between you, but you can like make your way over there. Oh yeah. I'm gonna make my way over there and it's gonna be like and and what is the your name? He kind of jumps as you uh, approach him. Just oh, oh uh sorry. Um Do not be frightened. I know I look like the many monsters, but I am elf. It's okay. <laughs> No, I, I wasn't. I didn't think you were a monster. I was just That's focused. That's good because I'm not the monster. I was just focused on the road to make sure that we made it out of here okay. Uh, yeah, yes. My, my name, my name, my name. Um, uh, my name is um Chester. It is nice to meet you, the Chester. L- likewise, it's 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 nice to meet you too. Uh, s- sorry, I I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to be so rude. Are you he kind okay? Of pulls at his he says, I just I I get a little nervous when we're traveling, especially when we're. On the run from the Elorian military, and our lives are at stake. But no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. You're on the run from who? Never forget I said anything. He's really good at this. <laughs> well, I I do not see the illuminated military anywhere around here. 
Uh, he's, oh, surely we are okay. <laughs> he kind of laughs at your illuminated military, <laughs> and you see like uh, some ease wash over him. Uh, he says, well, I suppose if they were truly an illuminated military, we'd be able to find them quite well in the dark. Y- yes, that's <laughs> what I said. Thank you. Uh, you have, you've helped me quite a bit. I, I feel a little better now. Well, that is good. Would you like the books to... Books? No, no I, I'm, I'm good, really. I, I go back to make sure the cranky people do not kill the small child's dreams. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can see that as you take your seat, that sitting across from you, Lessa is nose deep in that book. She is like reading it as fast as she can. Her mother is trying to put her hands in front of her eyes to try to <laughs> stop her from reading it. Kind of like an adult blocking a violent scene in a movie while you're watching it with your kids. You're such a good influence. <laughs> Look, it's very important that she knows what to do if she finds a dead ghoul. <laughs> Look, you're not wrong. I'm just saying. I'm pointing that out for you. You can tell that Lessa is the type of person who, when she wants something, there's nothing that could stop from making sure she gets it. And she is soaking up as much information as she Very can. much like the ghoul. <laughs> okay sure (laughs) as you guys are on the road sarge has elected to avoid the main roads out of fear of drawing the attention of the Elorian military or the inquisition and your journey is taking you south along the base of the shalarim mountains the journey is harsh and takes longer but this way you should be able to avoid any unwanted attention and as you guys have been on the road for a couple days you currently find yourselves in the plains at the base of the mountain headed south towards Torelia. isaac why don't you roll a d6 for me uh six you are on the road for a couple of days it's about a little afternoon about a week into your journey and as you guys are riding through the plains you hear a voice yell out from the road and your caravan comes to an abrupt stop you see sarge shoot up from his seat and and grab at his weapon and you can also see the worried passengers around you kind of peek out through the sides of this caravan. But as they look out into the plains, they, they can't see much. And you see the, the half-orc kind of also put his hand in his cloak as if he's reaching for a weapon. But whatever he has is concealed. Yeah, Isaac gets up and kind of joins the, re- the rest of the passengers and like just trying to peek out of the canvas. I'm going to stand up and kind of sling around his sitern onto his back and actually just hop right off the caravan. You jump off the caravan and you're joined by Sarge and a couple of the mercenaries. As you step outside, you can hear this voice a little more clearly now that the wheels of the caravan have stopped turning. You hear, oh, well, hello there, friends. It's a pleasure to meet you. And standing about 100 feet in front of the caravan, you can see a human man kind of with a, with a hunch in his back, slinging a, a bag of something over his back. And standing next to him is a hound dog, white fur and, and, and brown spots. He yells out to the, the group. He says, oh, well, hello there. We don't get too many visitors out this way. I see the creature that's walking beside him and with kind of like gasps. What is that? <laughs> and I'm gonna like run over. What is this? Make a dexterity check for me. <laughs> what? To run? Is this is 17. As you go to run towards this dog, you see Sarge kind of put out his arm to stop you, but you almost anticipate Whoa, this action. I'm like swift as the wind, boy. Like you're gonna have to try a little bit harder than that. I'm gonna yeah. just see what the f- what the fuck is up with this thing. Like, uh, I mean, have you seen? There's 
I've never seen something like this. This is incredible. And I'm just looking down. What is this, sir? Can you tell me what this thing is? You swiftly duck under Sarge's arm as he goes to stop you. And as you approach this man and his dog. Oh, this is my good friend Bentley. He's been with me for quite a while. Oh, I've never seen a Bentley before. This is amazing. <laughs> he says, it's not a Bentley. His name is Bentley. Wow, I mean, it's just like incredible. These Bentleys, are they everywhere? Are they common? <laughs> yeah, they've got... They've got dogs all over the realm. It's Have you never seen a dog before? Have you never seen anything like me before? Uh, he kind of looks you up and down. He says, uh, Well, I mean, I've heard, heard tell of your people, but I, I can't, must admit this is the first time I'm meeting one in person. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, just think how rare Benley's must be then. So you're a traveler then. Uh, perhaps you'd like a, a souvenir. And he kind of shakes his bag. Back at the caravan, you see Sarge kind of looking around to see if this is some kind of ambush. Isaac and Kako, what are you doing? Kako jumps out of the rear carriage and starts marching towards Sarge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, you know, going on, just like, why have we this stop? The poorest Chester is having breakdown. We must be with the going make. The old woman also jumps out of the caravan with you and starts yelling <laughs> alongside you. She looks ahead. Why have we stopped? We need to get moving. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like the grouchy one said, we must be with the moving. <laughs> Isaac, what are you doing? laughing at that amazing voice. (laughs) Isaac seeing Wiz rush to this dog, kind of worriedly hops out of the wagon and cautiously approaches Wiz and the old man. Isaac, look at this. Oh my god, this is incredible. This is like the best day of my life. Have you seen a Bentley before? He's he's right here. He's so good. Have you not seen a dog before? Uh, I I don't know about dogs, but Bentley's right here. Isaac kind of chuckles to himself and kneels down next to the dog and says uh you know if you're real gentle you can actually pet the bentley can i pet your bentley uh sure help yourself uh i'm sure bentley would uh would appreciate the pats <laughs> i'm gonna pet the bentley yeah you stroke the dog's head he Do I need uh, to make an handle handling check no you're kind of like nervous as you do and as you you touch the dog and then stroke its head it lets out a boom <laughs> 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 oh wow this is this bentley is top notch i'm sure you get that a lot but this is like he this, says, is, a this is a good bentley he says like i said we don't get too many travelers out this way uh, for far pretty far from civilization Perhaps you would uh, like to take a look at my wares. Can we tell if this this old man's like just trying to delay us, or is he just a crazy old codger? Make a make a perception check for me. <laughs> Where does a five get me? You look around, and your eyes catch the sun as it beats down on the plains. And as it does, you catch the glare, and you're not able to see very far off in the distance to see if maybe this is an ambush or not. Isaac needs glasses. (laughs) Sarge looks around, and he takes his hand off of his sword. All right, everyone back in the caravan. No time to waste, sir, if you don't mind stepping out of the way. Kako, as you hear this, you finally approach Mm -hmm. the man. Uh, What about you? Before you take off, would you like to browse my wares? What have you got? 
I've got all kinds of stuff. I, I've quite the haul lately. And uh, he, he shakes his bag, and you can hear, like, metal jingling coming from inside it. Show me what I may get for the five gold pieces. Ah, <laughs> uh, he says, uh, five gold pieces? And he, he opens his bag <laughs> as, it, as it clatters to the ground as he digs through it. You can hear, like... This is a pretty heavy bag full of what appears to be metal. And he rifles through it for a second. Well, let's see. If we go to uh, to carry this, carry the one, uh, take one of these, and he he pulls out a handful of gold bands, <laughs> and he says, uh, let's see, five gold pieces, and you can make uh, five gold rings. Sounds, what a deal. That sounds reasonable. It is qu- quite reasonable. Mm. You won't find a better price of... And he looks around the plains. Well, anywhere near here. <laughs> All right. I give him the gold and I take my rings. Yeah, you purchase five gold rings from this strange man and his dog. What about the rest of you? Would you like some, some jewelry? Maybe um, clothing? I do an investigation check to see if there's anything in his bag that looks like... Does it look like suspicious? Like some good like accessories for me to wear. Make an investigation check. 16. You look through this bag. You can tell it's a lot of the stuff in here is pretty well worn. Nothing in here appears to be new and everything is kind of covered in what appears to be like a black soot. No thanks, sir, but I'm already quite well (laughs) accessorized and I'm going to finish up Penny Bentley and make make my goodbyes run away. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, No worries. I'm going to head back to Crom and make a killing selling this stuff. And he slings the bag over his shoulder. He says, the next time you see me, I'll be living the high life. And starts to strut down the road. Alright, I hope me and Bentley meet again. Oh, uh, you let him move. As he walks yeah, away. Oh, yeah. So, fuck you. Yeah. Whiz. Good Bentley. We'll yeah. find you some dogs. I just want Bentley. I don't really care about dogs. You You've me? only seen one dog. What if I told you that there were thousands of Bentleys and they're all different? <sighs> That's incredible. I mean, I wouldn't believe you, but that's kind of incredible. <laughs> well, I mean, once you prove it to me, you know, let's just say I'll owe you five gold pieces if there actually is a bunch of Bentleys out of there. Like, you can't really rebut that because if you've never seen a dog before, like, words are not going to do anything no. at this point. No, So the three of you and the rest of the caravan uh, gather back in their respective carts and you guys begin to head down the road again. I'm going to disperse the rings between the different passengers. You know, I'm going to give one to Nervous Jester and one to the happy little girl and the one to the the mother and the one to old lady and then one for self. So now you have accomplices. <laughs> There's no crime, no accomplice. Yeah, so you hand these rings out to the other caravan members. Everyone pretty much happily takes them. Even the grouchy old woman, as soon as you present her like something of value, she kind of snatches it out of your hand just to ensure that you're not going to try and take it back. With her little claws. Yeah. <laughs> rat hands. Give it. With the enjoyment. Give she actually has cursed rat hands. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Poke out of her, seven, so her seven blankets. <laughs> She can't grab anything. They're too small. <laughs> what the fuck? That's why, she, that's why she wears all the blankets. She's actually just a rat. She's just a rat. Okay. She's seven rats in a blanket. <laughs> okay, I know we're joking, but I have to... Do I detect anything monstrous about this lady? 
No. <laughs> no. Okay. I mean, besides her attitude, no. You don't detect anything. Does monstrous. she have an affinity for cheese? <laughs> no. She's she's ten rats in a blanket. Uh, based on this lady's attitude, she probably hates cheese. <laughs> Everything I knew is a lie. Hey guys, sorry for the interruption. It's me, Mike, your friendly neighborhood dungeon master. Just a couple of quick housekeeping things before we continue. So you may have noticed as we've been going along that players are using spells that they shouldn't have at level 1. That's because they aren't level 1. We are starting this campaign at level 10, mostly because we just finished up a 3-year campaign where we played up to level 10 and we kind of didn't want to lose our progress, basically. These are totally new characters and they aren't related to anything in the old campaign, but they just wanted to have a familiar power level. The second thing is, I'm not going to hand out EXP at any time during this game. We play with a milestone system, so I'll be awarding levels at the end of story arcs or when it seems fitting uh, in the narrative. That's mostly because we don't like sitting there and, and calculating EXP numbers at the session. It, we find it pulls us out of the experience, and we're very much into the role-playing aspect of things, so the number crunching isn't really our focus. The third thing, and I'm sure if there are comments about anything, it's probably going to be about this. Am I railroading my players? Kind of. We've been playing for a long time together, and over the time I've learned what I can put in front of the players and what they will interact with, versus just throwing out things that they're not going to pay attention to. It's just something that comes with having run a game for these guys for so long, and we typically, and they understand this, and this is the social contract that we have, when we start a new storyline, we tend to be on rails for a little bit until we get to where the story will unfold, and then once we get there, I I tend to let them loose. While it might seem like I'm railroading them now, just give us a little bit of time. When we get to our destination, things will open up a lot more. And finally, I want to talk about the people who made today's show possible, and that is listeners like you. We don't pay for advertising for this show, and beyond our small Twitter followers that we each have, we don't have a big way to get things out there. So if you could share the show and tweet about us using the TroublePod hashtag, we'd really appreciate it because with you, we can amplify our voices a lot further than we could on our own. And the fact that if you're even listening to this and thinking about that, we are eternally grateful. We would have been playing this same game with or without the microphones. So to welcome you to our table is really humbling and we appreciate you. And then the final person we have to thank is the wonderful musician Andromeda who provided us with our theme music. The track is called Light Years From Home and without it, we wouldn't have the sound that we really wanted for our show. So go check them out at andromeda.bandcamp.com and give them a follow on all the social media platforms. We'd really appreciate it. They helped us out a bunch. I'm going to stop rambling now, so let's get back to the game. You guys are, are heading down the road again. As you make it about another day into your journey, you eventually come to a stop again. This time it's, it's not as abrupt as before, but you hear the main driver of the caravan yell back, uh, Sarge, uh, you might want to see this. And Sarge kind of lets out a, a groan. He says, I'll be right there. And he, he makes his way up to the front of the cart. What the hell is that? 
I leave the cart and go and see what the hell that is. Yeah, Isaac gets up curious about what's got Sarge riled. As Isaac and Kako step out, you see what appeared to be a small encampment not far off of the road you guys are on. However, it is smoldering. There's still smoke pouring above this encampment, and you can see charred bodies kind of strewn about the camp as you make your way in. Um, well, gross. <laughs> I'm just going to stay in the caravan and try to keep everybody calm, use a spell slot, and use calm emotions to cast over the people to try to keep them in their seats and make sure that they're not trying to like just get in a frenzy over what's going on. I will with the investigations make. A small group of people gathers to investigate what is left of this encampment. It's a couple of the mercenaries, the half-orc who has jumped at any opportunity to help. You guys walk into this encampment. It's very strange. Everyone in this encampment looks as if they were wiped out in an instant, burned to a crisp. You can see people going about their daily lives, whether that's talking to another person, sitting down for lunch at a table near a campfire, or just putting up whatever laundry they needed to do. Just various day-to-day things. And then it appears as if something happened that immediately charred them. And you can see several of these bodies still standing in the positions they would have been standing in before their death. Well, people tend to run from the dragons. That seems unlikely. Is there any any clues about what caused this that we can investigate? Why don't both of you make an investigation check for me? It's a nine, chief. 22. Kako, you don't see much more other than what I described. You can see generally where the explosion started from the center of town, but you're able to determine exactly where it came from, Isaac. Uh, As you trace the blast point back to the very center of this encampment, you can see what appears to be a small child clutching at their face, but they are like totally charred as if they were the center point of a massive explosion that bursts out from them. I feel like an arcana check is wasted on this because it seems purely magical, but do I discern anything about like maybe the type of magic that caused it or is Um, it indeed magical? I guess I should just... You don't need to make a check in order to do this. As you hold your hands just over this statue of this child, it's like almost radiating a heat off of it. Bizarre. I poke it. You walk up to the the statue of this child (laughs) and just ram your finger into the charred remains of this body. As you do, it almost immediately falls as if nothing was holding it together still. And laying in its ashen remains, you can see a clear gemstone that's got what appears to be glowing embers in the center of it. Hey, what the fuck? (laughs) Isaac smacks you in your chest. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, I'm in the caravan, but like you can hear a distant what the fuck. Like, what the fuck? Sorry, ma'am, your lane is all the way over there. Go stay in it. What the fuck? Hello? Also, no, the the kid was clearly already dead. So you poke his corpse? Yes. Gotta palpitate, you know, things. You ever heard of the one poke test? You poke once. Don't encourage him. As I you, was training to be a medical professional, okay? <laughs> As you are gathered around this pile of ashes, two of the mercenaries and the half-orc have made their way over to your location. And the half-orc kind of looks at you and he says, what the hell happened here? 
it appears that this child killed everyone, and so I, <laughs> I broke him. <laughs> Excuse me, you did what? I I did nothing, okay? No. Don't you, believe anything you, he would lead you to be believing. You heard him right, he broke him. I touched shoulder, and the body fell apart. Look, a magic rune stone! <laughs> His attention turns to this, this gemstone <laughs> in the, the center of it. It's just that easy. <laughs> and he says, is this what caused it then? Most likely. <clears throat> and he goes to reach out and grab it. I stop him, grab his, grab his wrist, and I'm like, wait, we must be the carefulness about these things. You're right, I, I don't know what came over me. I lick my finger I and swear then to poke God. it. Uh, yeah. yeah, make a make a constitution saving throw for me. It's a 17. So as you go and touch this, you can see that smoldering flame get a little more erratic as you get closer to it. And just by getting near it, you can feel your fingertips begin to, to burn a little bit. Just as I hypothesized, it is the hot. Just as you hypothesized... It was a good idea to touch the thing that's probably a bomb. No, I believed it was hot and I was correct. Okay, Isaac kind of pushes you back. Just stop. You're uh, right, I will go investigate another thing. Don't <coughs> touch any more people. I walk off to go sift through a burnt hut. God damn it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Isaac reaches into his alchemy kit and grabs a pair of forceps and a glass vial. This would fit my vial, right? Maybe like a like a large bottle, yeah. And reaches out to grab it to stick it in this. It doesn't react when you, you <clears throat> touch it with your forceps and it's you drop it into the bottle and, and seal the bottle shut, the embers kind of smolder within this gemstone. Do I feel heat from the bottle? No. It, it's almost as if this bottle is stopping some kind of reaction from happening. The half-orc who you've been traveling with looks it over and says, Do you think it's safe to take that with us? I think it's safer to know what it actually is. He stops and thinks for a second, and he kind of nods in agreement. Well, let's just make sure we keep it safe then. Isaac tucks it away in his alchemy pouch and pats it, says, I'll keep it safe. If you ever feel the need to entrust it to somebody, I'm your man. He holds out his hand. My name's Sed. Isaac reaches out to shake his hand and introduces himself. <laughs> Does he seem trustworthy? <laughs> yeah, make a, make an insight check. Okay. 11? Yeah, just by looking him over, you can tell that he's shown nothing but concern every time you've been in a situation that might call for it. I mean, he's very protective of those around him, so he appears to be, be being truthful with you. Yeah, Isaac kind of lets down his guard a bit and, and shakes his hand a little bit more vigorously. Kako, you are in the hut, rifling around in the ashes of whatever is left in this town. With a stick to be safe in case of the bombness. We're learning. Make an investigation check for me. It is the 17. You look over these corpses, and as you take a look at them, you can see they've been rifled through already. Someone has been here before you, and in fact, most of any possessions of value seem to have been being taken. You can see the charred remains of hands with, with fingers broken off where maybe wedding bands could have possibly been, amulets mm. rip up, ripped off of charred necks, and just jewelry boxes rifled through. I want to take out... I take off my ring. And drop it. Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you drop this ring into the ash and it kind of disappears uh, into the ashes around you. I rejoin Isaac. The man with the Bentley perhaps was not very the trustworthiness. What makes you say that? No reason. I just was thinking about it, you know. 
Isaac kind of nods in agreement with you. It's like, yeah, yeah, he did seem kind of, I don't know. He didn't seem very trustworthy. I, yeah. <laughs> yes. This place is the dirtiness and we should be gone from here. Wiz, back in the caravan, you can see everyone is waiting and they're getting a little nervous. Can you read the spell description for me? You attempt to suppress strong emotions in a group of people. Each one humanoid in a 20 foot radius sphere centered on a point you choose within range must make a Christmas saving throw. A creature can choose to fail the throw if it wishes, uh, wishes, not witches. Um, <laughs> If a creature fails at saving throw, choose one of the following two effects. It's kind of just like a enchantment of, of sorts. I'm just trying to like make people settle down so they're not like frenzied. I'm going to say that most of these people are just going to choose to fail the save and just let your song kind of wash over them as they restlessly sit in the cart. But Chester... No. Uh, he's going to roll because he's all he's a very nervous person he fails as well to save against your spell and is enthralled by your magic and then the old woman also fails and you can see her, her face kind of relax a little bit as she stands outside the caravan waiting to see the rest of the group come back you finally feeling the vibe Oh, finally it, just getting into it man you know just like <laughs> just let it all take over you know she kind of rocks back and forth slowly to your tune as it as it washes over her i'm singing about an old witch that was 10 rats in a cloak <laughs> and uh how she was killed by a hero that came and stopped her Strangely, she finds this song relaxing. Uh, she Does it make her feel nostalgic? <laughs> no, not necessarily nostalgic, but it's almost as if she's uncontrollably comforted by this. As if she were actually listening to the words instead of being enthralled by the spell, she might actually be upset, but you can... <laughs> but she has nothing to be upset about unless, she, unless she's ten rats in a club. <laughs> you crossed the wires. <laughs> She kind of relaxes, she leans against the caravan, and she, she, she kind of mumbles under her breath. She says, this feels nice not to worry. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're just kind of freaking everybody out the whole time we've been riding, but, you know, I it's fine. You know, we'll just finally, like, get into the vibe of it. Everybody's settling down. So everything's going to be okay. Ignore the ash in the air. Just don't breathe in in too much. Put, like, a cloth over your face. I don't mean to be so grouchy. I know, man. We all try to, like, get in the mood. It's just been so hard, having been chased from town to town. Why were you chased from town to town? Did it involve rats? (laughs) She kind of, like, looks at you with, like, a confused, dopey face. No, no, what? No rats. I'm on the run just like the rest of you. But I'm not not like you. Tell me your backstory, Uh, little old lady. (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely not right. (laughs) Rats. Hey, what's your name? My name is Lenora. Hey, Lenora, you want to hear a song about rats? Why do you keep making that joke? I'm just wondering, man. Anyway, why are you running from town to town? You got to slow down let life catch up to you. I... I was chased out of town. My my neighbor was a malefactor. What of you people? Jesus looks at you, and you see her struggle, as if the spell is losing its effect on her, uh, but she, she quickly settles back down. My neighbor burned my house down. <laughs> <laughs> Ma'am, I've probably only burnt down at least one house in my lifetime. That's a maybe. That's a lot. <laughs> 
He was so excited to show me this new trick. He came over and blew the whole place up. The whole town <laughs> blamed me for it. Because I'm old and cranky. Uh, <laughs> if only you weren't old and cranky all the time, they wouldn't have thought that. Why don't you turn that frown upside down? Yes, perhaps I shall try to be more friendly. That's right, yeah. We'll work on that together. <laughs> I can't fucking deal with this shit. <laughs> Alright, starting starting right now, I will try to be more friendly. And she forces a smile, but you can tell she's having trouble with it. <laughs> she's she hasn't smiled entranced. in a while. Well, not just because she's entranced, but just because she hasn't smiled in a while. No. Her muscles don't work. And she kind of gives like a, a stiff Ooh. grin that's very uncomfortable. Just like, all right, am I doing it? Do I look happy? We'll work on it. Okay. I'm going to go sit down now. Yeah, you do that. I'm going to go check on the other people and <laughs> uh, make sure they're doing okay. You go in and check on the rest of the group, and everyone seems to be doing just fine. Um, and by the time you finish up with uh, Lenora, the rest of the party has, has reassembled back at the caravan. Sarge says to Isaac and, and Kako, he says, Whatever happened here is real tragic. Yes. I'm afraid there's not much we can do. We need to move on. As quickly as possible, yes. Everyone loads back onto the caravan and you guys begin to continue your journey. A couple more days go by, and at this point you've made it to a small forest just beyond the plains leading towards the kingdom of Torelia. Late one night, you hear sounds of skittering and scraping against your caravan. A whiz, I need you to roll a d6. It was a three. You peek out through the curtains into the darkness around you. You could hear like a chittering coming from the forest area near your caravan. Can I investigate to see if I like I can see it? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, it was a 13. You're looking out to the darkness and as the caravan travels, you can see something in the distance catches the reflection of the lanterns that line your caravan. And you can see the light bouncing back at you. I'm gonna go over to Isaac and kind of like shake him awake. Do you, do you see anything? <sighs> um, man, sorry, I didn't mean to wake you. You all right? Yeah. What's, all right, a, all what's right. going cool, on? Cool, cool. Um, well, it, you know, there's just like some uh, <clears throat> weird chittering outside, and um, there's like some rustling in the trees. I just want you to make sure that, like, I'm not going crazy. Like, <clears throat> um, I kind of groggily, like, peeks out of the canvas and looks around. He doesn't have dark vision or anything, so... But as you pull the, the curtain open <clears throat> to take a look out, you can see, as you peek out into the darkness, sets of eyes peeking through the dark. The lantern lights bouncing off of these eyes that stare at you there's there's an uncountable amount of Um, eyes are there like rocks or anything in this wagon or like a a ball or something like that a potato there's there's probably (laughs) like loose spud rolling around (laughs) there's probably like a pick up and toss it into the brush (laughs) there's no potatoes not in not in this but caravan. a loose spot. What a no shit caravan. What maybe are we if, doing maybe with, if for you our made food it, rations? Maybe if you made it back to the supply caravan, you could probably find some potatoes, but not in the passenger one. Well, what have I got to work with? I thought he was going to say there are no potatoes like in this universe. Yeah, <laughs> potatoes don't exist. No, I'm kidding. That's not kidding. I'm quitting. Yeah, you could probably find like a loose stone lying around. Isaac grabs a small rock that he finds nearby and casts light on it just to give it like a bright white light and throws it in the direction of these eyes. 
you pick up the stone and, and what color light do you cast? Uh, just like a, a bright white light. Okay. You hurl the stone out into the, the darkness. As it sails across the sky, it kind of lights up the trees. And you can see a couple dozen goblins. Shit. <laughs> just standing out in the woods. And as your stone tumbles to the ground, they quickly go to cover it up and try and conceal themselves in darkness. We should we should keep moving, uh, Isaac says to the yeah, drivers. Definitely, man. Definitely, man. Uh, yeah, he picks up the pace up. a little bit as he, as he sees this site happen and your caravan accelerates yeah hopefully the, the the caravans behind us will pick up speed too does this news make it back to the rear caravan yeah like you can hear the sounds of like <laughs> as these goblins like <laughs> yell outside to try and cover up this light okay well kako's gonna you know keep axe ready but he's just gonna lean over to lessa and just be like listen Tiny lady, the goblin and the ghoul, very similar. Much shorter, though. So make sure you stab as low as you can in dark, okay? She is a dwarf, so they're, like, on the same height. Oh, yes, you just stab straight head, yes. <laughs> you don't have to aim up or anything like yeah. you normally would. You just stab straight up. She's clutching one of the books that you gave her, and she goes in, she reaches towards her sidearm oh, and pulls out a dagger. I've been studying for this. Okay. Another good tip. <laughs> oh, God. Goblins have the biggest ears you ever seen. Hit one with book, he will be very pained, and then stab. But I don't want to ruin the book. Oh, no, he's fine. I have more books. That's why I made hardcover. <laughs> so you did make them. I, I am valued co-author, okay? <laughs> okay, hit with book, slice scalp off. Hit, Got it. Hit ear with book. If you hit anywhere else, it'll just make it frustrated. Okay, I got it. And it tastes horrible if it's frustrated. And you can see what? Lessa's mother. P- please, please just sit down, Lessa. Please, please don't. Just just let them handle it. it it's going to be okay. Then her father is kind of just like snoring, not having woken up at all. And you can, you can hear him grumbling in his sleep. Everything will be fine, but just in case. No. Uh, I'll throw another light enchanted rock. <laughs> you toss another light into the woods, and just as before, they kind of move away from the light, but they're not getting close to the, the caravan. They're just keeping their distance and just watching you as they cover this light and watching you guys go through the woods. The rest of the night passes without incident. You guys eventually leave the goblins behind you, mm. and uh, in the morning, you guys are traveling through the woods undisturbed. A low fog has settled in the valleys between the mountains where you're traveling, and the stiff the stiff autumn air has made it difficult to travel. Each morning, the caravan clods are covered in frost from the night before, and people have started to become sick just from being in the cold for so long. I need everyone to make constitution saving throws. Yeah. <laughs> Wiz gets a 23. What do you get, Kako? A 2. Okay, and Isaac? It's still better than you. It's a 4. Kako and Isaac, the, both of you have started to come <clears throat> down with an illness, and it has started to spread through the caravan as a heavy cough and a fever. So as you guys are, are traveling, this thick mucusy cough has started to spread, and both of you have caught it. Gross. I'm going to I'm gonna use lesser restoration on Kako and Isaac. Lesser <laughs> restoration is a second level abjuration. Um, it's instantaneous. I touch a creature and can end either one disease or one condition inflicting it. The condition can be blinded, deafened, paralyzed, or poisoned. But I'm going to end his disease as of right now. However, if you do that because you guys are traveling through the rough, there's no rests between each week. So you'd be using two spell slots to do that. So pick your favorite now. Actually, 
Uh, the decision has been made. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. Two lesser restoration. Yeah, you cast two of these <coughs> spells to cure your sure. companions of their disease. You kind of get friends. Come on, group hug. Group, group. Oh, this, this is nice. Oh, okay. You kind of get concerned looks from everyone else as they're having to deal with their ills on their own. Oof. <laughs> I'm chaotic good, not, you know, like... Look, we have the limited magic, and I can do the killing this. The caravan kind of looks at you, and Delilah stands up to you. She's like, we understand that magic is hard to use right now. We get it. Yeah. It goes without saying. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll do what I can to try and whip something up to, to help them. There's a lovely dwarf woman in the back who's an herbalist. She's been whipping together some poultices to try and help as well. What a saint. I'm going to go <clears throat> back and talk to her and, you know, like give her a good old thumbs up. Make sure she's got everything she needs. <laughs> as you travel to the back caravan, the dwarven woman who you recognize as Lessa's mother She's working hard on a poultice, grinding up herbs and spices and mixing them together. And you can see her wipe sweat from her brow as you approach her. Oh, I'm just doing the Lord's work. Oh. <laughs> would I be able to make something that would help soothe some of the people with like some of my alchemy kit? I'm missing some ingredients, but maybe we can find something on the way. But at the moment, <clears throat> uh, I think I've made what I can to help. Isaac nods and stands up. If there's anything that you need, anything I can do at all to help, just let me know. Oh, you are a blessing, child. I'll, I'll do what I can to help, and if I need anything, I'll come and grab you. He, he nods and uh, <laughs> kind of goes around and channels some of his healing light into what people he can to help just kind of ease the pain. Yeah, you, you go around and, and you help some of these people, and they're thankful <laughs> uh, as they feel a little bit better, but this, this illness is still beginning to spread through the caravan. You were going to go all barred on the Jesus lady. Now you're regretting it. What does that even mean? Huh? I wasn't trying to fuck her, if that's what you're trying to insinuate. Okay, my bad. Kako, go and roll a d6 for me. Okay. It's three. You guys are on about the second and a half week into your journey, and you guys have started to approach the border. You're currently right outside of an uncontested area between the kingdoms known as the Pale Reek, a poisonous swamp that infests and overtakes the region. Not many people have chosen to settle in the swamp due to the poisonous nature and the difficulty of having a life there. Is it so-called because it reeks? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's just called the Pale Reek. That's Jeez. disappointing. <laughs> that hurts me. It does smell bad, though. It's not a great smell. And as you guys approach the border of the swamp, the caravan comes to a stop outside of the border. And you hear Sarge yell back. He says, hey, I think we have people up ahead. Whoever's armed, prepare yourselves. I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kako, you jump off the caravan. Um, and you see Sarge and the mercenaries have slowly begin to walk forward. And as you jump out, Lessa jumps out next to you, her dagger in her hand and her book in the other one, taking the teachings you've given her and putting them to effect. And you hear her mother yell, no, no, Lessa, Lessa, you stay, 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 stay. And she's like, I got this, mom. I've been studying. I will make sure your daughter does not get eaten. Thank you. Yeah, no ghouls are going to get me. I know all their weaknesses. Well, all of the ones in this chapter. I haven't read the next ones yet. I will give you the next book tonight if you don't get eaten. You're such a good role model. Look, he's trying his best to prepare this chick for the, the cruelties and the monstrosities in this world, all right? I mean, I... I'm not uh, the one who character. put all these... I'm not the one who put all these creatures on this planet. That's Mike's fault, all right? <laughs> 
I'm sorry, this is a harsh and dangerous world. Like, exactly. in, in character, Isaac, like, appreciates where you're coming from, but at the same time, it's like, could, could you not do it like that? <laughs> Better this way than the way I was taught. <laughs> what are you doing, Isaac and Wiz? Wiz is going to see Kako heading forth with Lessa and is going to also join them. Isaac, hearing Sarge's call to action, kind of steals himself and hops out of the wagon and goes to cautiously approach these figures. Guys head towards the edge of the swamp where these figures are staring at the caravan, standing rather menacingly off in the distance. And as you make your way forward, these figures look at you unmoving. I uh, swing my turn around and play a couple strums into the woods and see if there's any motion. You make your way towards the, these silhouettes and play your music, but they don't react. They just stand motionless on the edge of the swamp. Well, either they're like sleeping, standing up, or I mean, I've never seen people that don't like music, except for the rat lady. I don't know what her deal is. This whole way down, I'm just giving Lessa like a dissertation on the different kinds of ghouls that there are. She's taking notes in like the back of the book you gave her <gasps> and just writing down like everything you, you tell her and taking it very seriously. You guys are about 50 feet away from the these figures, and they're lightly obscured by the fog, but also by the darkness of the trees that, that overtake the, the swamp as you make your way towards it. Isaac is just going to kind of sidestep and get so that he's not approaching them head on. Just cautiously get closer to him to try to make out more detail. The party presses forward towards the direction of these silhouettes, and as you get close to them, you can see why they weren't moving. Because these figures are are made of stone, and (laughs) they appear to be just statues on the edge of the swamp. (laughs) Um, Do they look like they were once people, or they were carved statues? As you get close to investigate these statues, they are eerily lifelike. You can see... uh, Totally petrified. The stone is it almost as if it has pores, or like a human would. Mm-hmm. There are various statues of, of human, elf, and dwarf make, and they're all wearing very rustic looking armor. It's made out of sticks and leather. They all have crowns of antlers. And each one of them is kind of frozen in fear, staring towards the direction of the swamp. You can see several of them closing their eyes and others covering their faces. One of the elf figures is kneeled in prayer as if they were praying to a god. Is there anything around them? Are there any other like indications of like maybe what they were looking at? Uh, Make an investigation check. 22. You are able to discern the direction that these statues are facing and you walk into this dark swamp the fog growing thicker as you do. And as you come to the edge of one of the pools of water, it's bubbling. The black muck is bubbling and and releasing gases that make up this fog into the air. This purple haze kind of covers the, the area. And as you come to a stop in the muck in front of you is a giant, probably about two foot wide footprint. And it's some sort of large three toed beast. (laughs) Isaac kind of looks it over with a bit of hesitation and calls out to Kako. Uh, Hey, Kako, I need your expertise. 
Yes, of course you do. I'm the way making. You make your way up. Lessa is on your trail. I uh, um I stop Lessa as she tries to follow Kako um, uh, oh, next uh, to him. Lessa, listen. Or um we get out there and you know like go get him. I know you're you're a real go getter too. I think it'd be best if you stayed back with the caravans. We need somebody back there to protect him. Cause like if we're out here, you who's protecting like your family and everybody else, right? She kind of looks disappointed and she looks at you. You could see like uh, an expression that oh, conveys. Don't give me that look. No sadness. No. Uh, and she looks at you, Kako. She's like, I can't. Should should I? I'm already overlooking at the screen, <laughs> and I just kind of look back at her. She's like, Lessa, Let- the giant foot. It's amazing. No, 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 Lessa, listen, listen to me. I know you're giving me that look, <laughs> but I- but I can be helpful. I have I have magic, and she she waves her hands out, and sparkles fly out of her hands. I know. Yeah, I that. Wow, you're really getting good at that. Listen. I've never seen anything like it, Kako. I, would yeah, you- I. Isaac, I, I Isaac smacks see. her chest like, stop. Listen, I just, I think it'd be best if you hung back this time. But next time, for sure, with a little bit more practice, you'll be in the game with the rest of us, all right? Make a persuasion check. 16. Yes, yeah, she looks at Kako, and then she looks back to you. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll go make sure that everyone else is okay. You can leave it to me. Uh, all right, girl, get, give me a fist bump. She, like, excitedly, like, yeah. pounds hey. your fist, and she's like, yeah okay i got this i'll keep my mom and dad safe i'll make sure everyone else is safe and uh you guys be safe we will i'll send a message back to you keeping you updated on all the the toe prints that kako finds are y'all gonna come up with like a secret handshake i mean my all my secret handshakes are fist bump (laughs) so i guess they're not a secret at least you're consistent yeah as she fist bumps you she explodes the hands, yeah, the sparkles that's, fly that's out. What I, want. Yeah, so I do, I do the sparkles too. Yeah. She scurries back to the caravans, and Sarge also looks at the statues and looks around. It doesn't look like there's anything I can offer here. I'm going to head back, get everyone ready to move on. Call ahead when you're ready for us to follow you. And I'll him and send his you person. a message in your mind when we're heading back. He's slightly uncomfortable by the thought of that. <laughs> I wink. <laughs> He's more uncomfortable by the thought of that. And he, him and his mercenaries head back, leaving you guys alone at the swamp's edge. One day I'll find somebody who's in- uncomfortable by that. And then I'll marry them. <laughs> One day. 3,000 years from now. In the year three, it's the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> is, is that your character's life goal, just to find somebody that Appreciates has no the issue wink. with you communicating telepathically? I mean, it would be nice. We are fleeing the country for being magic users, so yeah. yeah I just like fair. the Jonas Brothers deep cut you got there. Yeah, really? appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, the song is dumb as hell, but it's so dumb. Yeah, definitely. You know all the words. Great, and had great all granddaughter. Yes. She's doing fine. She's doing fine. Kako. As you are looking around and investigating this this footprint, it does not belong to any creature that you have seen before. Mm. It's a very strange, large, three-toed footprint that's very symmetrical in make. And as you look around off in the distance, you can see a what appears to be a black puddle of sludge that, that's about six feet long. Mm-hmm. Some distance away from the statues, but also equidistant away from this footprint. Could I perhaps use my primeval awareness to see if there is a uh, one of a range of creatures? Expend one ranger spell slot for your awareness on the region around you for one minute per level. You can sense whether the following types of creatures are present within one mile of you. Aberrations, celestials, dragons, elementals, 
Fae, Fiends, and or the Undead. You get a, a false positive from Wiz, uh, who is a member of the Fae. Mm-hmm. You also sense that there are undead and aberrations in the area. So, <laughs> there are the creepy things in the uh, Desumfe. Um, so, perhaps the carefulness. Also, are you a cleric? No. Oh. Do you uh, do the cleric-y things? Kind of. Can we... Uh, let's not talk about this right now. I do not... I I don't know the intricacies of the bothering of the god peoples. It, so, if you know how to mess with undead things, or if one of... Okay, that question I can answer. No. no okay. Uh, do you know if the, the other peoples know how to mess with the undead things? <laughs> as far as you guys know, there are no clerics in the caravan. So... Fuck. I can play him a nice song. Isaac, uh... We can play them nice music. Too bad their ears are rotted and do not work. And I can, like, summon a storm. You oh, want did, that? That might, that might be helpful, yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got a footprint, stat- stone statue people, and a puddle of sludge. Isaac looks with interest at this black sludge. I want to take, like, a sample of it. I get out of the vial, and uh, I reach down to just kind of scoop up some of it. You walk over to this black sludge, and it's it's a fairly big puddle of sludge that really has no point being here. While this is a swamp, it stands out almost like a like a slime that doesn't belong here. As you look at this puddle of slime, you go to to take a small sample of it to try and determine what it is. And as you move your hand close to it, you see something leap out of this, this slime, and I need you to make a dexterity saving throw. God damn it. Um, three? <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. So this uh, this slime reaches out and it grabs onto your index finger and your thumb and it squeezes for a second and then it goes limp and like the slime falls back into the puddle and you can feel like a, a tingling uh, oh, sensation left on your hands. They're almost like numb. <clears throat> Um, okay. Uh, we're not gonna do that again. Are there, like, sticks or something nearby? Yeah, you're in basically okay. a forest uh, swamp, so... Could I, like, fashion... Just basically, like, attach this vial to the end, end of a stick so I don't have to reach out to touch it? I could say you could take about two minutes to fashion something like that. Okay. You fashion basically a way to get some of this sludge out without touching it. And as your vial disappears beneath the black, inky abyss of this sludge, you pull back up and it's almost like it's caught on something. Uh, I didn't know I was going fishing. <laughs> I pull a little harder. You pull and the whatever this is is really stuck in there. And as you yank it up, you see, like, the sludge bubble, and attached to the end of your stick, stuck to the, the twine, is what appears to be, like, half of a humanoid jawbone. <laughs> okay. I take the vial and plug it and kind of shake the, the jawbone <laughs> off the stick. You shake it off, and it, it falls to the ground and just kind of sits there for a second. And as it sits in the ground, you can see it kind of dissolve into to more sludge. Okay. Does this sludge react now that it's in a vial, like when I'm touching it? Nope. Nothing happens as you touch it. Whatever is in here appears to be dormant while it's in this vial. Okay. With the findings did you make? Don't touch it. You said not to poke anything anymore, so I'm not poking things. Did okay, you poke it? good. 
No, I did not. It poked me. Are, are you okay? I'll look over my hand one more time. Besides the numbness, you don't notice anything strange about your hand. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm okay. The whiz man, I think he is being the hypocrite. He told me not to poke things, but then went and got poked by something. Hey, man. Okay, listen. Let's just, like, I'll be friends here for a second. We can all poke one thing per day now. How about that? Let's compromise. But but I, I didn't poke something. It poked me. Well, yes. So, okay, the sludge got a poke turn. If you want to poke something, <laughs> Isaac, you can poke something now, yeah, too. Uh, okay, I'm not going to argue. Is I, the sludge in... I boop your nose. Poke. Isaac kind of giggles. <laughs> <laughs> see? See, it's not so bad once we get used to the poking, all right? Isaac's also kind of flustered that, like, you're pushing his buttons, so he just gets up Literally. and walks was, off. Was that Wiz's poke turn? Ah. Damn it, I used my wiper Wasted. <laughs> Wasted. Back to the caravan, yes. Yeah, let's return. Let's go back. I'm going to send a message to Sarge and let him know. Whoa, wait. Oh. Okay, I haven't even got my message through yet. <laughs> um, I'm casting message, which is a cantrip. Can, can you guess what it does, viewers? Message, transmutation cantrip. You point your finger toward a creature within range and whisper a message. The target, and only the target, can hear the message and reply in a whisper that only I can hear. You can cast this spell through solid objects if you are familiar with the target and know it is beyond a barrier. Magical silence, one foot of stone, one inch of common metal, a thin sheet of lead, and three feet of wood blocks the spell. The spell doesn't have to follow a straight line and can travel freely around corners or through openings. So it's like magical can on a stream. You cast message and tap into the mind of Sarge. Hey, Sarge. It's uh, your boy. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? I told you this was going to happen to enter your mind for a second. I'm just letting you know we're coming back to the caravan and we're okay. And after that, we can shove off and be on our way. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, t- ten, ten, four. Uh, oh, this is so weird. Um, I, it's, just, just come back. Oh. Uh, over, over and out. <laughs> All right. I didn't realize we had trucker talk in this century. <laughs> I'm gonna. Good <laughs> I'm gonna look around at Kako and Isaac and be like, we're gonna work on uh, our communication skills. <laughs> what did he say? Our what? <laughs> we're gonna work on our English as well. Oh, sorry. Common. I'm sorry. I don't listen to hip hop. Ooh. I do I. <laughs> Ooh. But I could. Do you want me to play that? No. So you guys make your way back to the caravan and it begins to depart, heading into the Pale Reek. You guys are about halfway through your journey through the Reek at about the three week mark in your journey. It's been a long, hard journey, especially this last leg through the swamp. The members of your caravan have started to tire and the sickness that has affected your camp has begun to spread further and affect more people. Your horses have fared no better, and after several hours of pulling the caravans through the thick, sticky mud of the swamp, they come to a stop. Sarge finds a a piece of dry land to address the group, and he begins to speak to everyone. Look, I'd hate to admit this, but we're not going to get any further unless we let the horses rest for the night. I know this isn't anyone's idea of comfort, but another day on the road and we'll find warm beds yet. Let's set up camp and try and find some food and water. Gather whatever strength we have left and hold out for the night. Okay. 